Welcome to the podcast of Saltbox Church, where we are rethinking church and reworking life around the person and presence of King Jesus. Good morning. I am glad you are here. I want to look into the camera and say good morning and welcome to everyone who's joining us online. It is a very special day. What day is it? It is Mother's Day. And we have a very, very special person who's going to be giving the message this morning. But before we jump into that, um, if you are new here, if you've never been to Saltbox before, we'd like to welcome you. There's a welcome table right out that door. Pop by there, grab a one-year Bible or an NIV study Bible, a T-shirt, a sticker. Get on our uh, little card so you can get connected. It's called the Connect Card. We take tithes and offerings right outside this door. Uh, we don't pass a plate here. And really, it is all about Jesus around here. Amen? Uh, we have a baptism at the beach and a picnic coming up on June 11th. Uh, so just you can mark your calendar. Stay tuned for some more information. And I have a dear friend, Adrian Beatty, who's going to be sharing with us this morning. Adrian, come on out here. Adrian is married to Matt Beatty right here. Adrian is our kids director, uh, and Matt is on the lead team. Adrian has just become a dear friend of mine and of Abby's. I'm so proud to have her up on this stage sharing the word of the Lord. Um, she, is, she has done her heart work and her head work, and it, this is an overflow today. So can I pray for you? Please. Lord Jesus, thank you for Adrian. God, I praise you for her heart. I praise you for her heart posture before you. And Father, on this special Mother's Day, she's the mother of four precious little ones. Father, I pray that you would enliven our hearts and our minds with your word, and you would allow us to go deeper and understand you more completely as she shares. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Saltbox Church. <laughs> I'm used to being back there. It's great to have a view of you from up here. Um, and good morning to our online family and happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to our moms and our grandmothers and motherly figures, spiritual moms like aunts and best friends and neighbors and godparents who help take care of our kids with us every day because it does take a village. We celebrate you. I also want to acknowledge that for some of us, Mother's Day can be hard. And for that loss or that hurt that you carry, know that Jesus carries you. And he wants to meet you right in the middle of it. And I hope being in the house of the Lord today, that brings you some peace. So, as Pastor Michael said, it is my first Mother's Day uh, as a mother of four. We just had our fourth babe back in early January, Davis. And my other kids are Jackson, who is seven, Abigail, who is five, and Bennett, who is three. So when I stepped into the kids' ministry role um, just over a year ago, right before we came to Rolling Grace, Pastor Michael charged me with, hey, let's grow kids' ministry. And Genesis tells us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the classrooms. And I took that seriously, and I was fruitful and multiplied, and I have a kid in every classroom back in the kids' ministry. <laughs> Yes, yes. Church, I take the word and my job very seriously. 
Um, I quickly want to thank all of the parents who trust us with your kids, whether you drop them off back here on Sunday mornings in our kids' ministry, or maybe you drop them off on Wednesdays at um, the Hub for Middle and High School Ministry. Thank you. It is our honor and our number one goal to walk alongside you and build young disciples for Christ, and it is an honor and privilege to do it with you. So thank you. Now, I'm sure those mamas in the room today, at some point this week, you told your family all you wanted for Mother's Day was to get to church together. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. And you did it. Me too. You've already run that marathon this morning, even this week, to get everybody here on time and in their Sunday best. And you made it. And I just want to say I'm so proud of you. You're not only prioritizing your children, whether they be young or adult children, your children's time with Jesus, but just as importantly, you're prioritizing your time with Jesus. And that is so significant, how you model the way for them. And I don't know what you've come in with today, but I know you had a full week. I know it may have even been hard. I know it was full of schedules and homework, meal prepping, laundry, dishes, bath times. I know a lot of you have been getting your your kids ready for proms, graduation. Congratulations, UNCW graduates. (laughs) Yeah, woo, go Seahawks. Um, I also know at some point this week you had an unexpected curveball that took you away from time with your spouse, time with your kids, even your sleep, that you had to work overtime to get it done. I know you likely, like I did, had a moment in the car this week where you thought your whole life amounted to being an Uber driver for your children to get where they needed to go. (laughs) And I know that your brain hasn't stopped once in the past week, the past day, even in the past hour, getting everyone ready for the next thing. And I know you're tired. (laughs) Me too. So you come to church today isn't just a checklist item to make your Mother's Day complete. You being at church today is an invitation to rest. It's a time to pause and breathe. It's a time to suffer well and heal better together. Now, before I go into rest, I like to take a big breath. Will you join me? That's good. More room for Jesus. All right. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, come. Oh, come, Jesus. We welcome you into this place, and we delight in you, and we have great anticipation for you. Jesus, you say, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus, among our busy and full lives where we work so hard to get it right, we fall short. We want to please you, we want to make you proud, but we are broken people and we fall short. We have hurts, Lord. Relationship hurts and church hurts, a hard medical condition, a loss of a loved one, and they are heavy and they continue to weigh us down and we are exhausted from fighting them alone. Lord, we wanna spend more time with you and we don't wanna spend as much time trying to get ahead of you and making it our way versus yours. Lord, forgive us when we do that. 
Lord, help us rest with you today to find peace and even joy with you today. Help us find some soul rest. Amen. Okay. So, back in October, about two months before I was up to deliver Davis, the Lord started nudging me at that time, asking me to be still with him. First time I've really heard him say, be still to me. Now, I am not a still person. That is not what I do. I have a big family, um, a couple of jobs. Uh, I love to play sports and run around and be at my kids' activities. I love time with friends. I'm a big extrovert at heart. So being still is actually not easy for me. It's almost uncomfortable sometimes. So I remember in that prayer time with the Lord, being a little bit in tension, And I ultimately said to him, hey, Lord, we got the holidays coming up. I got a baby on the way. And how about I'll sit down with you when Davis is here? Because that's where can be. (laughs) I'll be nursing all around the clock, trying to get some rest. And I can be still with you then. So just hang on. Hang on. Right. (laughs) So Davis was born on January 4th. And in those first few weeks, I was struggling, struggling. I was, of course, exhausted, getting back on a newborn schedule. And on top of that, trying to be present for my three other young kids, trying to spend any time at all with my husband, and trying to take care of myself. In those first few weeks, I really felt like I was failing. And a lot of great people around me, family and friends were telling me I was doing so great and I was such a pro, it's your fourth baby, you got it. And that was encouraging, but I felt just the opposite, worn and weak, just failing. So it was a couple weeks into Davis and I was nursing and the Holy Spirit started to nudge me again. Hey, be still with me. Church, aren't you grateful to have a God that keeps pursuing you? (laughs) When you want to run, when you don't have time, when you push him to the side, he always comes back for you. That is his love for us. And at that point, when he nudged me again, I was like, oh, yes, please, let's do it. I'm desperate now. I'm desperate. Yes, yes. Anything to make me feel better in this moment, because I'm exhausted and, again, just felt like I was failing. So I had remembered at New Year's Eve service, Pastor Michael saying, hey, year in a Bible app, it's January, be a good time to start. So that's what I did. I closed down all of my apps, I pulled up my Bible app, and I started the plan right then. And I got into day one, and I was like, oh, this is so easy to be still with the Lord, because it even reads to me if I want it to. How great is that? Less than 10 minutes a day, and I can just hang out with Jesus. Look at me being so obedient. Church, how many days do you think I made it in my Bible app? (laughs) Throw up some numbers. Hands? What guesses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four. You're right. In the front. You're right. I made it four days. I made it four days. And then when I failed at that, I tried to put two in a day, you know, and then I failed at that. And then after about a week of it, I just, I just stopped. I just stopped 
Because at that point, too, I thought I had also failed Jesus. And I thought he was disappointed with me. And probably not because he was, because he isn't. But because of my pride and my shame, I withdrew from him. And then I stopped being in his word altogether. And I had never felt so alone in that time. I was fitting Jesus into my plans, not understanding or following what his plans were for me, the good works he had for me. How often do we do this? How often do we call on Jesus when we're just exhausted, worn out, and we try to put him into our circumstances for a quick fix or to check a box so then we can just go on with our agenda? Guilty. All right, if you have your Bible with you or a Bible app, we're going to turn into the book of Ephesians. So I'll give you a second to get there. The book of Ephesians is the 10th book in the New Testament. And this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church of Ephesus. So we're in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And it reads, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So when we break scripture down, Paul is sharing that by God's grace you have been saved. The words here, it is the gift, the word it there is actually describing salvation. And that is the gift that you cannot or could not earn, but through God's mercy to us as sinners, we are forgiven and given a new life through Christ Jesus. And Paul here is so intentional about using the word gift. He is saying that salvation is a gift from God that's not a result of the work you've done, or how hard you've been working for God's favor to please him, but it is a gift. So let's unpack the word gift a little bit. So a quick example here. Imagine a good friend wants to treat you to lunch, maybe for your birthday. But at the very end, you try to slip in your card. Now, at that point, it's no longer a gift, because a true gift is one that you did not work for, and that is salvation. Let's unpack it one step deeper. Now, there is no better gift than a gift that keeps on giving, right? (laughs) Yeah. Salvation is a continuous gift. The day you give your life to Christ is only the beginning of your salvation. As Jesus reminds us in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. This is an instruction to surrender our will for his every day so that we can receive the fullness of his promises, such as to love us, to dwell in us, to be our friend, to answer our prayers. And that is the greatest gift of all. Now, I am responsible 
for making that happen every day, surrendering every day. But I don't mean that I am saved through my effort at all. It is not the strength of our faith, but the object of our faith that leads us to rest in Jesus. As the object of our faith is Christ Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time. It's not the strength of our faith, but the object of our faith that leads us to rest in Jesus. As the object of our faith is Christ Jesus. So when I gave my life to Christ 10 years ago, I thought the gospel was all about eternal life after I died. I thought that was the good news. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says, and God raises us up with Christ to be seated, oh, excuse me, with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So I thought here Paul was sharing about what happens when I die, to be raised up in heavenly realms. But he's actually saying we've been spiritually raised with Christ right now. We are all alive right now through the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead. I don't have to. You don't have to wait to be with Jesus. He is here right now. This means that right now you have the high ground over the enemy and that we are free from sin today. And yes, in the future, we will go together and we will sit and rest with Jesus for eternity at the right hand of the Father. And that is great news. But Jesus is here now, right here in this room, in this moment, to help us rest today with what we carry. Jesus died on the cross to forgive my sin and to give me a new life in him daily. And to receive the fullness of that, we must surrender daily. Christian author Steve Cuss writes, the reason to not live in sin isn't so much about disappointing God or angering God. The reason to avoid sin at all costs is to avoid sin's price, which is always death. Sin kills something we love, a relationship, our integrity, our ability to look someone in the eyes. Sin is always on the prowl looking to destroy, and God is always in the life-giving business. We have a choice all the time to give ourselves to sin, which destroys, or give ourselves to God, who gives life. To me, this says when we choose to surrender to him, we choose the full power of grace and rest of salvation. So, how does the gift of salvation give us rest with Jesus? What does it actually mean to rest with Jesus? The Hebrew word translated as rest means to be at peace. The God's Word Bible translation of rest says, surrender yourself to the Lord. All right, pull back your Bibles. Pull them back out. Bible apps back out. We're going to be going to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. And it reads, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make
so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. God always intended the Christian life to be a place of rest. From start of creation, God shows us the importance of rest as on the seventh day, the Sabbath, he rested. And even when the fall of Eden happened and sin entered the world, God made a rescue plan for us to restore Eden and return to rest. The rescue plan is Jesus Christ. The gift of salvation is our return to rest here and now and for eternity. So this type of rest, it's not instructing us in the way we think of rest here. Physical rest, being physically still, relaxing even. Resting in the Lord refers to spiritual rest from anxiousness, control, stress, jealousy, comparison, bitterness, and all those other spiritual enemies that distract us and keep us from being with the Lord. Now, rest in Jesus doesn't mean that we don't receive hard things, church, because we will, and we do. It doesn't mean we won't receive the hard medical diagnosis or suffer great loss or have a terrible financial hardship. But it does mean that we can choose, like Steve Cuss said, give ourselves to sin, which always destroys, or give ourselves to God, who gives us life and rest. All right, one more look in the Bible today. Well, hopefully it's not the only time you look in the Bible today, but one more with me. So we're going to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Matthew, chapter 11, 28 through 30. It reads, breathe to, or excuse me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now let me give you a little context here. So a yoke is a tool that was used back in biblical times um, that's like a wooden cross piece, like this. And it has two large neck pieces on either side of the cross piece that typically a very strong animal, like a bull or oxen, would get in to plow heavy things, do hard and heavy work. And a little bit more context here is Jesus here is talking to the people of Israel who are at this point weighed down by thousands of made rules put into place by some other religious leaders said to receive God's favor if you can follow these. And they were not sustainable. You couldn't do it. It was impossible to live up to all of them. And they were weary from trying to please God. Jesus here in this verse in Matthew is inviting the people of Israel, just as he's inviting you and me, into a relationship, not religion, to receive spiritual rest. And not much has changed today. <laughs> Many of us are weary. Me. 
and we have heavy burdens that we're carrying or we're choosing to carry on our own. This here is an invitation to take up our cross daily and to follow him because he's already done that heavy lifting for us. Now, following Jesus doesn't mean we're released from responsibility, though. The responsibility is still mighty. He doesn't say here in Matthew, though, to take off your yoke and rest. He invites us to put on his yoke instead. And by putting on his yoke, it means that we will walk with him. We will obey the gospel and we will follow him. And that will make our burdens lighter. And being obedient isn't always easy. Sometimes it's actually even harder, more uncomfortable. And we're not following obedience or practicing obedience just for obedience sake here. But it is through obedience and following him that we can live free of unnecessary burdens and receive his promise of spiritual rest. And that is so good. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so now I'm going to pivot and I'm going to share three ways that I practice rest with Jesus. Here it comes. Now, this has been a very intentional journey with Jesus that really, church, I've only started getting a little bit better at in the last three years. Not perfect, better. Only in the last three years. And it started when I was in a situation almost exactly three years ago where I was completely out of control and the Lord, and the Lord very closely started to move in my life in a very significant way. What I'm going to share with you today is to pray, to know his word, and to share your story. These are the ways I rest with Jesus. Number one, prayer. It was the week COVID hit, and I was 32 weeks pregnant with my third child, Bennett. The same week COVID hit the East Coast, we had received um, really awful news from the doctor that our Bennett had a dire heart condition in utero, and that when he was delivered, they were in fear that he on his own wouldn't be able to pump enough blood to the rest of his body. So we were partnered with the Duke Pediatric uh, Cardiac Team up at Duke Hospital, to deliver there, and then in the first 24 to 48 hours after Bennett was delivered, he would receive heart surgery. And even if that went well, he would have a life of limitation. Limited activity, medications, multiple trips a year up to Duke. We would just have to be more cautious. For Matt and I, in that moment, our dreams for our unborn child were just shattered. We were so scared. We were completely out of control. And we were. There is nothing more devastating as a mama when you can't help your baby. In that one week, I felt like my whole world had fallen apart. 
So shortly after that news, there was one night I couldn't sleep. Of course I couldn't. <laughs> and I walked into Bennett's room, empty nursery, empty crib, and it was the first time I fell to my knees before the Lord. When the weight of your burden is so heavy, it literally will just knock you down. But what I learned was kneeling before the Lord isn't about the weight of your hardship. It's about the surrender of your heart and claiming, Jesus, your will, not mine. That night, in full surrender moment, Jesus told me the only way I could help Bennett's heart was to just give it to him. That I was weak and that he could be my strength. He told me to have faith that his plan was perfect for Bennett. Perfect even. <laughs> so right then I just surrendered it all. Yours. After that night, I returned to Bennett's empty nursery every day, multiple times a day sometimes, over those two months, and turned it over to Jesus. I surrendered my anxiety, my worry, my control, my plans, and just said, Jesus, you said it was going to be perfect. I trust you. I started to pray for the first time with submission, and the Lord taught me how to speak to him and to share the full desires of my heart while at the same time still fully trusting his plan for me. In those two months praying over Bennett's heart, he taught me that prayer is actually a call and response. Prayer is a two-way conversation where I learned to listen more than I spoke and to wait patiently on the Lord. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he reminds us, or that we're reminded, that we should thank him even when we ask for help and clarity. And as we abide in him and he promises to give us unexplainable peace and to guard our hearts and our minds, it reads, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And with daily prayer over those two months, the Lord activated my heart transformation that went from fear, anxiety, depression, bitterness even, to hope and peace and rest in his faithfulness. Now, I had days that surely were harder than others. <laughs> but when we delivered Bennett, we waited for the report of his heart condition. And as we did that, we continued to pray and wait on the Lord. After 48 hours, long hours, <laughs> Of multiple heart scans, the doctor came in for what was ultimately going to be the final report on Bennett's heart. He came in and said, we, we can't explain it. But your son's heart is perfect, is what he said. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're good. <laughs> So for Matt and I, as we came to process this miracle of what happened, 
the Lord didn't only perfect and heal Bennett's heart. He also transformed and restored my broken heart for his glory. When we got home from the hospital, our prayer life at that point only continued to strengthen, though. It was around this time that Matt and I started to teach our oldest son, Jackson, how to pray and Abigail how to pray and to start their own relationship. And now, Bennett's birthday was just last week and he turned three. And now, sweet Bennett, he prays to Jesus. And every night, he boldly and confidently says, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> when you come into a hard situation, the Lord has a way of taking a mirror and reflecting the hardship of that circumstance to show you where you were broken in your walk with him. And that's what he did with me. It was never actually about Bennett's heart. It was about mine, about how mine was closed off and how mine was broken. When I started praying daily, I started surrendering daily for his will and not mine. And he took my closed, broken heart and he opened it and filled it with his unwavering peace, love, and kindness. Ooh, talking about the Lord and your kids, it'll get you. <laughs> I believe the Lord used Bennett's heart as an invitation for him to dwell deeply in mine and to give me and my entire family rest. Number two, knowing his word. Now, back in our elementary and pre-K rooms every month, we do memory verses for them to practice. And in August 2022, the pre-K memory verse was Psalm 139, 14. Maybe you've heard it before. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So Abigail is in that class, and when we had this memory verse, it was one that she wanted to practice all the time. I, I think, too, it was part of the hand motions that go with it. Um, and you all, this past week I was cleaning up the house, and tucked away in the bottom of a toy chest, I found the exact Bible verse, her memory verse sheet. <laughs> So I think that's God nodding at us to have a little fun here for a second, because we're about to do the hand motions. Are you ready? <laughs> we can have fun in church, you guys. All right, so are you ready? So it goes, with thumbs to your chest, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. One more time together. You look good, though. I am fearfully and wonderfully Made. Yeah, that feels good. That feels good. And you are. And you are. Yes. All right. So fast forward, and it's April of this past year. So we're eight months later after memorizing this verse. And we're teaching Abigail how to ride a bike, a two-wheeler bike. To be honest, Matt is teaching her how to ride a bike. And I am hanging out with the other kids. Matt, you did a great job. Doing a great job. So it, it took a few minutes on this first outing on a two-wheeler where Abigail got off, 
ran into the house while I was making dinner and just started crying. She was so frustrated. Abigail really likes to get things right. She gets that honestly from me and her daddy, but she, she carries that. Um, so she came in and she was frustrated. There was nothing Matt and I could say to her. We were telling her, no, you just need more practice. Honey, you're so good. We remind of, reminded her of how she practiced other things and learned other things and how she came to it, and it didn't matter. There was nothing we could say to encourage her and lift her up, and she was in a slump the rest of the day. So we get to nighttime, and I'm putting her to bed, and she happened to pick a book that night that was a Christian book, and towards the end of the story, this verse came up. So she was sitting there, little down, thumb in her mouth, and I come across the verse, and I start, I am fearfully, and she stopped me. She popped up out of bed, took her thumb out of her mouth, and said, and wonderfully made. (laughs) And then she said, mommy, Jesus thinks I'm wonderful. Yes, you are, sweet girl. (laughs) You are. At that point, the word did the work. The word was her encouragement. The word was her peace. Jesus' word was in her. And at the right time, it started working through her. Her knowing his word allowed her to fight the lies that she'd been telling herself all day and to build her up that she is enough, that she is worthy, that she is chosen, and she is wonderfully made. (laughs) In that moment, I witnessed her own heart transformation. And not only did it give her peace, but it gave me peace. And in her knowing, believing, and even saying his word out loud, it gave rest to both of us. Number three, last one, to share your story. Now, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it tells us the two ways to defeat Satan is through the blood and resurrection of Christ Jesus and Yes, yes, to share your testimony. Tell your story. So a testimony is a personal encounter with the Lord where you came to trust him fully as your Savior, right? By no works of your own did this encounter turn your mess into a message for his glory. Now, vertically, I believe that we are forgiven by Jesus But horizontally, within our trusted community, that's where healing can happen. That's where we can share our story. So our stories, I know, can be really hard to share sometimes as it can put light on weaknesses that we're embarrassed about or even ashamed of. But you know what? (laughs) Your story is actually not about you at all. It's about glorifying the Lord and giving him thanks for all he has done in your life. And when you speak of Jesus' grace and mercy over a hard situation, in that moment, 
you strip the power the enemy has had over you, has had over that story, and you make those negative thoughts obedient to Christ, and in that moment, you can experience freedom and start experiencing some spiritual rest with him. There is power in the spoken name of Jesus. Jesus, come on, church. Jesus, Jesus, yes, Jesus. There is power when we say his name. And if you need to surrender your anxiety, your control, your anxiousness, your depression, if you need to surrender any of that, just call on the name of Jesus. And that power is stripped away immediately. And you know what? Your story also has the power to encourage other people in their healing journey as well. Your example of surrender gives them hope and peace in the loving and gracious Father. So if you've never shared part of your story, part of your journey with Jesus before, something that I recently learned in my women's Bible study group, and I'm starting to share as a simple confession, is this. Jesus died on the cross, so I don't have to blank anymore. So for me, church, Jesus died on the cross, so I don't have to live in anxiety of being perfect anymore. He takes that from me. So what's your fill in the blank? Who are you going to share your story with? Again, when you share it, you strip the power. And you, through Christ's authority, take it back over and make it for his glory. And when you release that burden and take on his yoke in his good promise, he will give you rest. So back in October, when the Lord called on me to be still, I missed what he was calling me to do in the middle of my anxiety and in the middle of what I thought was my failure Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. What the Lord was telling me back then was to stop striving, stop fighting, stop trying to do this all on your own and trust me. I am your refuge and your strength. Wait for me, be patient, and let me be God. Back in October, he was telling me to surrender to him knowing what was already coming with a new baby and what I was going to be walking into. And he wanted me to surrender so I could rest with him daily. How is your rest process with Jesus? Do you feel rested today? And if not, what's keeping you from rest? Have you prayed for that thing that's been controlling you, that's been keeping you from the Lord? Have you given it to him yet? Have you opened your Bible? What's the word been saying to you lately? What's it showing you? And who have you shared your story with? Or who are you going to share your story with to receive healing for yourself, but also encourage them in their Jesus journey as well? Prayer team, could you please come forward? And worship team, y'all can come on back out. Maybe you're ready to surrender and start a relationship with Jesus today. And he can. 
He can help you trade anxiety for peace, jealousy for contentment, fear for hope, control for trust, and exhaustion for rest with him. Today, he can do that for you. If you're ready to start a relationship with Jesus for the first time, or maybe you even wanna take a step deeper in your relationship with him, please come forward and let our prayer team pray with you. And if you're online, leave a prayer request and our prayer team will follow up with you to pray. Let us pray. Oh, we thank you for your amazing grace, Lord, that you have so freely given to us. We thank you that our salvation didn't come to us as a reward or for our good works. Rather, in your mercy and grace, it came to us as a gift for now, today, and for eternity. We thank you for your good works that you have prepared way ahead of us. Give us wisdom to know your will and the ability to walk in your ways in the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we praise you for this Mother's Day. Lord, we praise you for the invitation into rest, into the finished work of the cross. And Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, in this room, online, that you would allow us to enter into your rest. Father, that you would allow us to know you in your word, to know you in prayer, to know you in sharing our stories, our testimonies. Lord, we praise you for Adrian. We praise you for Matt. We praise you for their kids and the miracle of your grace in their lives. Father, we praise you for this Mother's Day. And Father, as we exit here today, would you be glorified in us and through us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast of Saltbox Church. If this content was helpful to you, please like it, rate it, review it, and share it on social media, as that is helpful to us. We believe when a person grows in their own Jesus journey, everyone around them benefits and gets better.